Welcome back to episode 8 of Elite Heat. In today's episode, we're going to be doing something. It's a bit of fun. Last month, for the Royal Rumble, we did a Royal Rumble Super Show. This month, we're doing an Elimination Chamber Super Show because we love the Super Shows, damn it, Kevin. So, in this, in this episode today, we're going to go through a bunch of things. Current wrestling news, have a joke about that. The Chamber preview for this Sunday night, the show that's coming up. We're going to go through the best of the Elimination Chamber and the worst of the Elimination Chamber. Kevin's had a bit of Bacardi prior to this recording, so it's going to be volatile. It's going to be funny. Throw it over to you, Kevin. What, what were we saying? Uh, you caught me in the middle of a sip. I was just taking a shot um, as, we're, <laughs> as we're talking. Drinking straight out the bottle out here. You know, why not? Um, so, yeah. So, first thing I got to say is the podcast is now on Apple Podcasts. Got to get that out the way. Do a little bit of house cleaning. How exciting is that, bro? We're on Apple. That's big time, man. That's nuts. I mean, I think we started this, what, nearly two months ago? It's just a random idea for a YouTube show. Now it's all on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. It's, the brand's growing, Kevin. Yeah, Joe Rogan, we're coming for you, pal. We're, we're, we're going we're to get the next million-dollar deal with Spotify. We're coming. We're coming, Joe Rogan. We're coming to take your spot as the best podcast in the world. Damn it. Spotify, Spotify's going to pay several billion dollars for bona fide hate to slag the Miz and Randy Orton. Like, yes sir you know it you know it bro we're gonna be up there man it's gonna be crazy you know we're gonna be maybe we'll be on peacock pal who knows who knows what's gonna happen maybe vince will call oh, us up oh the peacock model i love it model oh. maybe vince will call us and be like hey pal uh, you want to be on peacock pal you want to be on peacocks oh damn it pal damn it get, get a late hate on peacock pal Damn it, pal. You know, Vince is coming for us, but yeah, nah. Should be a fun show today. The Elimination Chamber Super Show. But first, we've got some, I guess, more house cleaning, you can call it. Some wrestling news, but we're going to make it fun because it's wrestling news. Generally, it's not the most interesting, but here today, we've got some fun topics. So I'll kick us off. Eric Bischoff said that AEW has, quote-unquote, flatlined. And generally speaking, he's talking about AEW being in a, quote-unquote, decline. Kevin... What are your thoughts? Do, do you have, like, a from memory, do you have, like, a paraphrase of what he said? Do you remember, any, like, any recollection of it? I mean, it was the same kind of thing he said about nine, ten months ago, where Impact, there was TNA, like, a decade ago, were doing much better than AW are now. AW's not reinventing the wheel much. AW's kind of just going through the motions. We've seen all of... <laughs> Oh yeah, when he called out Tony Khan and he was like, "Oh, Tony Khan, it's not—he's not even near the promoter that I was, or whatever." That kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Eric Bischoff, bro. What do you expect? He's got to keep—he's got to play a character of sort, if you will. And it's obviously a good fun because he's worked with AEW before. So I don't really take like anytime Eric Bischoff, Jim Cornette, Jim Ross, Bruce Prichard, any of these guys in the wrestling world say something on a podcast. The wrestling media as a whole is so starved for news and has and headlines. They're gonna take anything out of context and just put what I, we saw this with the Undertaker. The Undertaker said what he said, and it just got blown way out of proportion because there's nothing else to report on. So I really don't take what Eric Bischoff says on his podcast. Eighty three weeks. Listen to it on Mondays. It's a great podcast. Oh, don't listen to it on Mondays because you listen to us. So yeah, never mind. Listen to that on like Tuesdays or something. So uh, Eric Bischoff, whatever. I don't take him that serious. I just don't. I don't know. He's, yeah. It's just a guy talking on a podcast. Yeah, I mean, you talk about like wrestling news and the kind of stuff that gets reported nowadays. This is the same kind of thing. Like These news sites report on, oh, Chelsea Green posts first trap photo at the beach. Like That's news nowadays. Yeah. So Eric Bischoff making comments saying that AEW is flatlined. 
it's probably an inside job. I don't even know. I don't really care. It's, it's just comments for a bit of traction and relevancy, as you say. So that's Bischoff covered. Unless you want to mention something more about that, feel free. No, there really isn't anything else to talk about. Yeah, I mean, there's really not. And speaking of AEW, I guess next thing, ratings. This one's always a fun topic. Now, I say this every time I cover this. Like, you're kind of similar, I guess. Ratings aren't the funnest thing to talk about because, I mean, we're not the networks. It doesn't really concern us, so to speak. But nonetheless, when, when AEW is getting like 740,000 viewers for the first show of this Forbidden Door era and NXT can, can't get 600,000, like, something's got to be done, surely, Kevin. Yeah, I mean, what is that something? I don't know. Like, clearly, people are still watching, like, people are still following both shows. People are, like, keeping up with NXT to keep it up with AEW. It's just like NXT is never going to move nights, but that's really the only realistic option is NXT to go to Tuesdays or Thursdays. That Like there's nothing yeah. else that's going to fix this problem. This is just how it's going to be moving forward. Yeah. I mean, you compare NXT to what it used to be. And it's just like you go from this show that's like really straight to the point, one hour long TV shows, uh, God tier takeovers. Now it's just like, oh, it's, it's, it's basically raw, only black and gold, and there's longer matches. That's literally all it is. And it's like, it just there's no reason to care, is there? No, when like, it, especially NXT. And then on, AE, on AEW's side, you have like you have this big tag team that had a lot of traction on the internet. This big tag team match with uh, Kenta, John Moxley, Lance Archer, Kenny Omega, all those guys are involved. Is that going to draw ratings? Probably not. But what? who is going to draw ratings on AEW? Who is going to draw ratings on NXT? Neither show really have a rating star, if you will. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one. Like, you had Edge show up on NXT a week ago, and they got 610,000 viewers. And meanwhile, AEW, they've got Shaq having a tag team match alongside um, Jade Cargill against Cody and Red Velvet on March 3rd. Like, all this stuff's happening. And it's like okay is this going to draw ratings like like what's going to move the needle for these shows it waits to be seen i just want to say also one more thing the fact that straight up steve austin is drawing the same ratings as nxt nowadays that's just hilarious isn't it it is you have straight up steve austin which is a half hour show that airs right after monday night raw so they put it in the right time slot you have wrestling fans that are watching raw a lot of them are going to stick around and watch stone cold talk with a celebrity but it's literally just steve austin and a C or a B list celebrity, like I think the most famous person he's had on that show is probably Becky Lynch. Honestly, it's not a lot of famous people, but they are famous. But it's not like The Rock or you know Beyonce, people like that. So it's not going to yeah, be like, a massive ratings like, grab. Yeah, it's like niche famous. You know, they're, they're famous in their like you know industry or genre, but like they're not they're, they're not these people who anyone knows. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Really. Exactly. Like, you had Brett, Brett Favre on this particular episode that did, like, 610,000 viewers. And it's Brett Favre. He's, a, he's an American football legend, but that's it. Nobody else really knows who Brett Favre is outside of NFL fans. So, And it's just funny that that show is doing better than NXT. It's hilarious. It's just... Oh, but, 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 Kevin, don't you want to watch four Dusty Cup matches every week? Like, does that not appeal to you? Four random tag team matches with no story? Does that not compel? What, what? Yeah, these. what is up with this wrestling tournament? Like, when did NXT... NXT is like a tournament show now. Every other month, they have like a tournament, it feels like. You have a women's yeah, Dusty the, Cup, a men's Dusty Cup, and that... Who cares? And like, I mean, this is the thing. The tag team divisions prior to the Dusty Cup were completely dead. Like, this is the thing, because people are saying, oh, the NXT tag team division is so good now because of the Dusty Cups. I'm just like... Okay, the division was dead. You get a bunch of random teams. Half of them were thrown together two weeks ago. 
have them have 15 minute tag team matches with uh, who's uh, Vic Joseph, you know, in a monotone voice commentating them, and the crowd's like, okay, and have that every week for like six weeks. Uh, like, it's the ratings are where they are for a reason. I think that's fair to say, especially NXT. Their ratings are in the toilet right now, so hopefully they can do something to get them back up to 700 to 800,000 viewers. Will they? I doubt it, but let's hope they can. I don't see it. I don't see it happening. I really don't. Yeah, and now, I mean, speaking of speaking of ratings, we're going to talk about someone who, I mean, he's near and dear to you, Kevin. Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny, he's had a lot of success in the merch sales aspect of WWE. Bad Bunny sold, what, $500,000-plus worth of merchandise in, like, a week or two alone. Like... That's just nuts, isn't it? It's insane. It's insane. Bad Bunny's awesome. He's showing his mainstream appeal. That's it. That's oh, but, the bottom line. But, but, but Bad Bunny's not a draw. The Raw ratings didn't go up, Kevin. Yeah, he might not. Nobody's gonna watch Raw. You know, like, who's gonna tune into Raw? People that people that don't watch WWE and they and they see Bad Bunny jumping on the Miz on Instagram, they're not gonna be like, oh my god, I have to watch Bad Bunny jump on this guy that looks like a clown that I never heard of. I have to go find out what channel Raw is on because they don't even know what channel Raw is on. They're not. They don't even live in America probably if they're watching a Bad Bunny clip, you know. So yeah, well, yeah. Like, why, why would these fans of Bad, as you say right there, Crunch, just to kind of take that analogy, why would they, these people see a Bad Bunny WWE clip on Instagram and then go out of their way to find what channel Raw's on and sit through a three-hour show filled with wrestlers they don't know? Like, it, there's not going to be a correlation there as far as Raw ratings shooting up because of Bad Bunny because Raw as a show is that bad that no one's going to sit through three hours if they don't need to. They're going to watch the Bad Bunny segment, then they're going to leave. Okay, is, 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 that should make sense, I'd say. 100% it makes sense. And, and the fact yeah. that he's selling more merch than anybody on the roster, it's kind of sad. Sad. Oh, like, absolutely. It absolutely is. And then... I mean, next thing I want to talk about, I made a video on this guy, Parker Bordeaux or Boudreaux. I have you say the last name, okay? Parker, I made a video on him, the next big thing. If you don't know about him, go check out my video or whatnot. Uh, Kevin, I'll, I'll just throw this in here. He signed the WWE recently, reportedly. What are your thoughts on the guy? I don't have a whole lot to say. I just think he looks, physically, he looks impressive. Just, he's a super impressive guy. What, what else can you say? Yeah, I mean, I also I kind of threw this in here because I wanted to address something. In my video, I didn't really talk about this, but it's something that needs to be talked about. Yes, I'm not just saying, oh, he has muscles, therefore he's going to be Brock Lesnar. No, that's not the whole point. The point is, the guy has the potential there, and there's there's something there. Granted, the same thing was said about Mason Ryan. Oh, it's the next Batista, he has muscles. Yeah, Mason Ryan was a flop. Not every next big thing ends up being some, you know, generation-defining superstar, of course, but... This guy has all the tools, so hopefully he does well. All the best to him. And yeah, I think that's all there is to say about him. Yeah, that's it. That really is. Pretty easy. And then also, I'll throw this one to you. I mean, first, I just want to say, Terry Funk, wishing him all the best and everything he's going through, just nothing but thoughts and prayers out to Terry Funk. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen Mick Foley and a number of other wrestlers on social media, all platforms, just express that Terry Funk's going through a tough time. There's not really a lot of details. But I just hope he's okay, man. You know, Terry Terry Funk's a bit of an Iron Man. There's like there's been times where people thought he was gonna die just because all the crazy stuff that he would do, being like 65 years old, setting himself on fire on ECW on an ECW pay per view. Whatever it is that he's done, man, he's still kicked out. So hopefully he can kick out of this one. Yeah, wishing him all the best. So yeah, that's Terry Funk. Next thing, this one, it, it was a it was a little news story. So we we thought we'd throw it in. Tony Atlas. 
essentially said he could beat up half the current roster, if not more. So what are your thoughts on that, Kevin? Give, give us something. I'm pretty sure Tony Khan could beat up Finn Balor. I'll say that off jump. I'm pretty sure he could beat up Finn Balor and, and Adam Cole. It's uh, it's very feasible. Terry uh, Tony Atlas is a large man. He's one of the he's, he was oh, yeah. one of the strongest men in the world in his prime. Like that is a large dude. Even at his advanced age, he could probably take somebody in a fight. Like, look at Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was like fifty five throwing haymakers in the boxing ring. So Tony Atlas, I'm sure he if if he if he really if somebody wanted to test him, I don't know if I like some of those guys' chances. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a whole thing. Like as Tony Atlas. As you kind of said there, he he won the strongest men in the world in his day. Just an absolute brute of a man. Tony Atlas, could he beat up like a lot of the guys nowadays in like a legit sense? I mean, yes. Like, I mean, the, the guys nowadays, most of them aren't fighters, you know, like legit kind of tough guy fighters. They're just good pro wrestlers. So in that regard, Atlas could definitely do that. Definitely do some damage. But nonetheless, we're going to move on from that, okay? I think it's fairly self-explanatory. Next one, I wanted to mention this just to kind of close out the new segment of the podcast, Vince McMahon, I mean, we've written it down here, Vince McMahon celebrates Peacock deal for an hour. Just lead us on with this, Kevin. So Nick Khan did an interview with Wrestling Inc., I believe it was. He's a high-ranking executive in WWE. And he's, oh no, he spoke with Forbes. And he was asked about like how, if, how Vince celebrates when a big financial deal is done, like the Saudi deal or whatever. So he asked him specifically, how does Vince celebrate the Peacock deal? And Vince, you know, in Vince fashion, he's like, oh, yeah, th- that was great. We're going to celebrate for an hour, and then we're going to get back to work on the next one. So that's, oh. that's what Nick Cox oh, said. Pow. pow, is that 59 minutes? Damn it. Damn it. Oh, damn, damn it. Hunter, Hunter, stop the celebration now. Damn it. Stop the celebration. That's enough. That's enough, pal. Damn it. Oh, peacock. Peacock, pal. Damn it. <laughs> I love it, pal. Yeah. Go on, Vince. Could you imagine Vince like popping bottles all night at like a club with like with like girls <laughs> dancing around him, and he's just like he's celebrating this billion dollar deal. And you got like Triple H and Stephanie in the club and VIP with Vince and Shane and like all these other high ranking executives. I, I just I couldn't see it, bro. <laughs> I could not see it. Picture like Stephanie with the arms folded, just like hating it because this is like so just you know unruly, and the club is just not where she wants to be. And then you know Triple H is you know sing beside her, being like, oh, oh, it's it's okay. And then Shane McMahon's having the time of his life. Vince is popping bottles. Oh, it's hilarious. What a visual. <laughs> you got what Bruce Pritchard there. I love you, Vince. I love you. Oh, my voice can't do it this week. Jesus. Okay. Anyway, with that being said, that's the news segment, okay? Plenty of different stories. We covered them in decent detail. We're not here to do an hour and a half long news show just to get watch time, okay? We're here to just cover the news quick. So, that being said, time to move on to the Elimination Chamber, Kevin. Let's go. Yes, sir. Let's get to it, pal. Yeah, let's get the hype train train going. If you're in the chat chat at the moment, spam the W's Elimination Chamber 2021 preview. Let's go. So, I'll kick us off. Kevin, in your opinion, where does the Elimination Chamber rank all-time amongst gimmick matches? In my in my opinion, in my all-time rankings, I have the Royal Rumble, TLC, Hell in a Cell, probably in that order, a top three. Ladder matches up there. Um, Elimination Chamber really doesn't come close to, like, it might make the top ten, just by default. But I, I prefer a good street fight. I prefer a good cage match, Hell in a Cell, whatever, over an Elimination Chamber. But I think it has to be in the top 10 just by default because it can be good. It was really good when it first started. 
in my opinion. I thought it was a very, when it first started, it was different. It was unique. It was a very cool concept. Over the years in the PG era, it just, it's just kind of been there. It's been just, it's just been like a buffer pay-per-view, a buffer match before WrestleMania. And we've seen just a lot of like hot-shotted angles on this pay-per-view. We're, we're going to get into that. But yeah, that would be my yeah. take. Yeah, I mean, like, the Chamber, you, you mentioned it there, but, like, b- because it's been just the go-to February pay-per-view, there's been a lot of, like, complacency with it. Like, I think when they brought it in, in, like, 02, it was, like, sick, especially, like, Survivor Series. How they did that, we'll talk about that, in, like, later on. That was brilliant, but really, as a gimmick match, it just got worn down and worn down. Like, the gimmick itself was never, like, oh, my God, such an incredible gimmick. Like, it fit with 2002 with Eric Bischoff, but... It just got watered down, watered down, watered down. Nowadays, you got this chamber with like padding on the floors. It, it just like as a gimmick match, they've completely watered down. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, it's just yeah, exactly. Like when you don't have blood, and you don't have like Goldberg spearing people through cage through cage doors, it, it's it kind of loses its luster. When you have when you, when it's like you have tag team elimination chamber matches, intercontinental title elimination chamber matches. You, yeah, you lose these, interest. Like, yeah, you, you really do. You've got these, like, seven-man elimination chamber matches. They're jamming as many people into the chamber as they can. You've got two people in each pod. The tag team matches. It it just it becomes forced. Like, it, it really does. So, yeah, to, to answer the question, personally, I'm the same. I have the Rumble at, like, the best gimmick match all time. Chamber, it's somewhere in the top ten. Like, it's, it wouldn't be top five to me. Like, personally, I'd have... Even out of money in the bank above the chamber, I think money in the bank, the concept is just better. Like the chamber is just, it's like a variation of hell in a cell. Only you have to wait five minutes for people to actually come in at a time. Like, I don't know. I don't love the chamber personally, Kevin. That's just me. Yeah. I'm not in love with it either. I'm not like, I remember being a kid playing SmackDown versus raw when they had the elimination chamber game in there or the elimination chamber match in the game. It was awesome. It was fun, just like, you know, you pick Randy Orton, Cena, Triple H, Jeff Hardy, just, like, kill people in the Elimination Chamber match. It was fun. That, that like, I have yeah. good memories about the match, but, I don't know, it's just, the PGR really, like, kind of doesn't help it, and the pimping out, if you will. WWE has pimped this match out like no other match, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, they really have, and I guess with that being said, with WWE pimping out the match so much, would you say you're still excited for the 2021 Elimination Chamber? Like, I know it's a fairly kind of go-to question. We do this for every Super Show, but nonetheless, Kevin, are you excited for the Chamber this Sunday? I would say my excitement level, uh, you know, if if The Miz wasn't in the Raw Chamber match, my excitement level would probably be like a six and a half. <laughs> but but because The Miz made the cut and I have to sit through The Miz in a, in a, a whole Elimination Chamber match... I'd probably bring it down to like a five, just for that sole reason. Like that's how much of an effect the Miz has on me. Now, if if some reason, like maybe somebody attacks him, like a Bobby Lashley attacks him in the back, and Bobby Lashley takes his spot, I might even jump up to like a seven and a half, maybe an eight. You know, I'm excited to see Roman Reigns because he's gonna face the winner of the SmackDown match. I'm excited to see that a Roman Reigns match is great. Uh, Oscar and Lacey Evans, I'm not all that into. Uh, the the United States Championship match is cool but there's only five matches announced for it. There's not a lot there to get me excited. What, what about you? Um, yeah, I'm fairly similar. Like, given how WWE's been running these pay-per-views, they haven't really had a miss as far as a pay-per-view goes since, I'd say, Extreme Rules. And when was that? Like, July last year? Like, WWE's pay-per-views have been consistently pretty good to, like, really good. So 
I have faith that this chamber pay-per-view will come through and deliver a really good like show on the night. Based on the card, do I think it's going to be some like, oh my God, like 10 years from now, you look back at the 2021 chamber and think that was the show WWE changed forever. Like, no, it, it'll, be a, it'll be a good show probably. That's really about it. So in that regard, my excitement level, probably around a five to a six because yeah, the, the chamber matches will be good. I mean, I just want to address something real quick. You mentioned The Miz being a part of the, the Raw Chamber one. Like, WWE have done this just for you, Kevin. You have Baron Corbin in the SmackDown one. You've got Randy Orton and The Miz in the Raw one. How does that make you feel? You must love that. Oh, God. You know, I thought... I was thinking, okay, the Raw Chamber match is going to be a chamber of former champions. So I'm thinking SmackDown, we're going to get some studs in there. We're going to have, you know, we're going to have Daniel Bryan. They're going to put Roman Reigns in there. Kevin Owens, I don't who else? Big E, Big E would get to showcase himself. Cesaro, like it'll be a good match. But then you throw Baron Corbin in there. Baron Corbin just sucks the life out of the entire match. Honestly, like you have all these guys that are great performers: Daniel Bryan, Cesaro, Sami Zayn, Jay Uso, and Kevin Owens and King Corbin. Which one of those is not like the other? I'll ask all of you in the chat that. <laughs> you probably guess it. It's Baron Corbin. You have all these guys. Like, what does he do? What does he bring to the table in this match? I don't understand. He, how does he fit? You have these guys that are all, like I said, fantastic performers. They're going to be flying around the ring. And then you have Corbin who's just going to stand there, do the end of days. He might do his little move where he runs out of the ring, comes around the other side, does a clothesline. Well, I don't know. Oh, well, how's, how's he, how's he going to do that move when there's a chamber? Like, you, you can't even do that move in this match. Like, what is what, what moves know? is he going to do? What is he going to do? He's going to sit there and just throw bad working punches. Oh, the deep six. The deep six by Baron Corbin. Yeah. Also, one thing I saw this on Twitter. This is jokes. If you get pinned by the deep six, it means you have no no future as a main eventer. Like everyone, Baron Corbin wrestles against. If you lose to an end of days, okay. If you beat him, cool. But if you lose to the deep six, which is like his signature, you have no future in WWE. So just want to throw that out there. I have heard that. I hope Dominic breaks the curse. I'm praying for my boy Dominic. Also, one thing I want to mention real quick as well. So yeah, Corbin's in the SmackDown one. You've got Miz and Orton in the Raw one. Personally, I'm surprised on SmackDown. They didn't do, instead of Zayn and Corbin as the tag team, I'm surprised they didn't do Ziggler and Corbin as the tag team and have them win. Because honestly, I'm surprised Ziggler isn't in this chamber match. Like This is the perfect Dolph Ziggler type you know, setting. Is it yeah, not? put Dolph Ziggler in there over Baron Corbin. I'll take that. A- a- at yeah. least his ridiculous selling will be entertaining. Like when you think about it, you have a big man that's in this type of match. Let's go back to the original Money in the Bank match. You had all workhorses, Benoit, Edge, Matt Hardy, whatever. The one big man yeah. in there was Kane, and Kane could go. Kane would throw you around, and it would look realistic. Baron Corbin needs help to defeat cruiserweights nowadays. He's not going to be throwing anybody around. Like he, Who is he going to be throwing around? He's not going to throw Sami Zayn around. He's not going to be throwing Cesaro around. He's not going to throw Daniel Bryan around. Well, what is he there for? Jesus, but, but 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 Kevin, he he said matches with Dominic Mysterio every week for the last like six months. Ke- but Kevin, Kevin, you know like oh, yeah, Jesus. he can wrestle. I mean, Dominic Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio is literally Humberto Curio with a famous dad. Like that's literally Dominic Mysterio. So it's good to see Corbin's had such a long program with him. And I guess this leads us into the SmackDown Elimination Chamber match. This one, it's a number one contenders Universal Title match, and the winner of this match faces Reigns. On that same night so that's what they're going with for smackdown okay sure whatever so participants are kevin owens jay uso cesaro daniel bryan Sami Zayn, and baron corbin i'll start us off personally 
honestly, I want to say out of this group, I think potentially Cesaro getting the win and then Reigns just beats him. I think that'd be good. Or maybe Daniel Bryan, one of those two. What do you think? Yeah, I was going to say, it's really only those two. A lot of people are hoping for Ke- uh, Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso 3. Eh, you know, if it happens, it happens. It'll be a good match. I'm not dying to see that. I would like to see Cesaro get in there. That'd be pretty good. Have have him and Cesaro, Roman Reigns and Cesaro have like a 15-minute match. Theoretically, what happens, what would happen is Roman just shows up after whoever wins the chamber and, and spears them and leaves and squashes them. But I, I can see them trying to hold this out because they, they're trying to stretch it and make this show worthwhile. They'll give whoever wins, whether it's Daniel Bryan or Cesaro, maybe they'll throw Sami Zayn as a wild card. Because Sami Zayn, I think out of everybody, Sami Zayn is the guy that is least expected to win. I think we could agree on that. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so you change it up, you switch it up, have Sami Zayn win, and then you have Sami Zayn and Roman have like a 20-minute match, or Cesaro. I think it would be good. I like. I really would want to see Cesaro and Roman chop it up. I'd like to see how they would do. Yeah, I mean, I, I really hope they don't have Kevin Owens win the Chamber. Like, this is probably what most people are going to predict, I dare say. I think a lot of people are going to say, oh, Owens should win the Chamber, and we can get the blow-off to Owens' reigns. But at the same time, I'm like, are you dumb? Like, if you have Kevin Owens survive this 30 minute long chamber match and then he faces reigns well then it's going to be the same thing as it is right now it's going to be oh well owens wasn't fresh it wasn't a fair clean one-on-one match and then reigns will just beat him and then people will be complaining because no chance in hell i or pretty much anyone wants to see reigns and owens five at fast lane like they just end this feud already just please let it stop so that's reigns and owens they'll probably go that direction i can see it now as far as the other ones jay uso I, can, I, I want them to do it, will they? I, I doubt it. I really do. Cesaro, I think this is the way to go. Like, if you want to do Reigns and Daniel Bryan, do that for some, like, two pay-per-view program, like, in the summer. You can do Cesaro having, like, a one-night, like, super show, and he can elevate himself from a mid-card to a main event. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it is. I think it is. Yeah. Um, yeah you want to, What do you want to talk about now? The, the United States Championship match? Um, yeah, we might as well. U.S. title. This one, Bobby Lashley of the Hurt Business is defending the title against Keith Lee and Matt Riddle. Kevin, what are your thoughts? I want to see Bobby Lashley versus Keith Lee one-on-one. I don't know why Riddle's in this match. Why the hell is Riddle here? Get him out of here. Nobody wants to see this guy. <laughs> Get him out of there. Like, I don't want to see this. I want to see these two big hosses, Bobby Lashley and Keith Lee, kill each other. That's all I want. I don't, I don't need Matt Riddle. I'm good. I don't need him. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Lee versus Lashley. I mean, that, that match is a WrestleMania US title match. Hopefully, they do something with Keith Lee, maybe joining the Hurt Business, maybe replacing Lashley in the Hurt Business. What, however they go about things, hopefully, they give it some spice and some reason to care. Because if you just have a regular triple threat US title match and Lashley retains, it's like, oh, yeah, is what it is. So, yeah, I think that's really about all there is to say about that match, to me, to be honest. Yeah. Yep. And now I guess we move on to the match. I mean, we mentioned it before. The WWE Championship Elimination Chamber oh, we match. Oh, we got to talk Drew... about Asuka oh. and Lacey Evans first. We got to talk about this riveting, deep storyline <laughs> that we've never seen before. We've never seen Charlotte and, and Ric Flair feuding ever. Like, this is groundbreaking stuff, man. We got to talk about it. Great. <laughs> as soon as you said, oh, we got to talk about Asuka and Lacey Evans, I was like, no, we don't. We don't got to talk about that. <laughs> we don't. So, um, I, I, yeah, I, I, just want, I just want to quickly say, I really hope they don't have Lacey Evans beat Asuka. I, I, I don't want to see that. I, I just, I don't. I, I don't want to see another transitional champion, for sh- another 
not a transitional champion. Another reign for Charlotte, because Lacey's going to beat her, and then Charlotte's going to beat her at WrestleMania. And we don't need this story of a babyface Charlotte who triumphs from her, her father sleeping with a younger hot girl. Like we, I don't. Nobody wants to see Charlotte triumph. Nobody wants to see that. I just had to say that off top. Yeah, I mean, like one thing I've seen going around, which like regarding the Raw Women's title, which personally I think is like a good way to go, and is how they should go. At WrestleMania, have a triple threat match. Oscar defends the title against Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley pins Charlotte Flair to become women's champion. That way, the whole long-term story thing of WrestleMania 36 with Charlotte and Rhea, that way everything like ties itself up and you get Rhea Ripley as champion and something new and fresh. I think that's, you know, in a month or two where they should be going. Therefore, this match, Oscar Lacey Evans, ideally... Either you have Charlotte Flair rush down and cause a no contest. Like, I mean, the match is irrelevant anyway, so who really cares? Either Charlotte causes a no contest or Oscar just wins. I think those are the two ways to go, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm hoping Oscar wins, man. That's it. That's all we need. <laughs> I just Jeez. I just want Ric Flair. I just want Ric Flair off of TV. Like, this is Ric Flair, but for his own physical safety. Like, everything this man's been through, his lifestyle for the better part of the last 50 years... This guy should not, in the middle of a global pandemic, be on Raw every week. It's it's not worth it. it it's really not. If you can have him on Raw, have him do something special. You know, have him walk down to the ring with Bad Bunny, looking like a badass, cutting promos for Bad Bunny. Like do something yeah. that's worthwhile of Ric Flair being there. Not that we've already seen this with him and Charlotte. Nah, it's it's garbage. So let's let's yeah. move on to the Raw Championship, Matt. The WWE. Yeah, let's move on. The yeah, the WWE Championship will be on the line in Elimination Chamber match. This one. Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, Randy Orton, <coughs> AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, and The Maz. So, Kevin, I'll throw this to you. What are your thoughts on this match? So, in a nutshell, you have Drew McIntyre and AJ Styles, two of the best wrestlers in the world, bar none. And then you have the 2009 All-Stars from WWE. <laughs> like That's that's what <laughs> this is. Literally. <laughs> you have Jeff Hardy. Like, why is Jeff Hardy in this match? Like... First of all, I know they, they said it's a WWE champion, uh, WWE, former WWE champions only. Jeff Hardy hasn't been championed. Like, nobody like nobody that saw Jeff Hardy win the WWE title in 2009 is watching WWE now anymore. First thing. Nobody even knows that he was champion from today's generation. So he hasn't done anything. The only thing Jeff Hardy's done that's any way half relevant is getting ran over by Sheamus when he was drunk. like that, And, and having bar fights with Sheamus. And then he teased the Willow character, never did it. That's all Jeff Hardy. Legitimately, that's all Jeff Hardy's done in the last four years that he's been back in WWE. So he's here for what? no reason. It's whatever. Then Randy Orton, whatever. It's Randy Orton. He's he's the GOAT, uh, with um, according to WWE accolades. Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. Why was, not, why was that not the match? Why did they do Sheamus McIntyre one-on-one? I don't understand. Sheamus, Sheamus turned heel on Drew McIntyre and ended their quote-unquote friendship just to be a part of the Elimination Chamber match, which literally every guy from 2009 was a part of. You know? Like, wh- why? If Sheamus ended the friendship for a one-on-one title match, why is he in the Chamber? And, like, it doesn't make sense. Um, This match, look, when it comes to these guys, one thing I want to say, you mentioned, it's like, the, the class of 2009. It's like 2009, you know, brought into WWE in 2020 or 2021. I find that funny. Like, doesn't it just go to show you how good a job WWE's done of building new stars in the past, like, decade? Yeah. The fact that, the fact that this is the, the crop of talent. We have Drew McIntyre, who was the chosen one in 2009. You've got Sheamus, who was the WWE champion in 2009. 
Randy Orton, who was the main eventer of WrestleMania in 2009, Jeff Hardy, who was WWE champion or world champion in 2009. You've got Styles, who was off in TNA in the X Division then. And then who's the other guy? Oh, yeah, Miz. Miz was, you know, with Show Miz or whatever in 2009. So this is a 2009 All Star game in 2021. You'll love to see it, Kevin. Yeah, you love to see it. <laughs> and, and with all the, the talent that's in this match, it should be good, but I don't think it will be. I, I don't. I think they're going to overthink it from a storytelling perspective. Like, we're going to have maybe The Fiend returns and attacks Randy Orton, or Alexa Bliss attacks Randy Orton. We're going to see some some tomfoolery with Randy Orton. And then, yep, you know, you absolutely. have... Uh, yeah, definitely. Then you have Sheamus, so probably loses cool, beat up Drew McIntyre or something... The Miz will literally just be there. Nobody cares about The Miz. Jeff Hardy will yeah. probably be the first guy to get eliminated. And then McIntyre will probably... It'll probably come down to McIntyre and Sheamus. Sheamus will be the last yeah. guy to come out of the pods. He'll come in. He'll bro-kick everybody. He'll bro-kick Jeff Hardy. Take his head off Cole. And, um, yeah, he'll pin him one, two, three. Alexa Bliss will cause Randy Orton to get eliminated. And then The Miz will just be there, like I said. And then it'll just it'll come down to... To McIntyre, yeah, AJ, mean, and Jeff, or in uh, yeah. Sheamus. I mean, yeah, it'll probably be. I, I can say the final three of this. Like, yeah, you say it there. Sheamus will come in. Sheamus will bro kick Jeff Hardy and eliminate him. I think the Miz will get eliminated by McIntyre. Um, as far as the other guys, Styles, he'll probably get eliminated by probably McIntyre. I think as well. I think this will come down to Orton, Sheamus, and Drew McIntyre. Orton will be like in control. Sheamus and McIntyre will be down. Then. Either the Fiend's kind of blackout effects will happen, or like Alexa Bliss will show up dressed as the Fiend, or like fire will erupt from somewhere, and they're going to do some kind of fire shenanigans or whatever. Basically, Orton's going to get eliminated. Like, that's what they're probably going to do. And as much as I can make the case, realistically, that Randy Orton will win the match, which I'll do now, okay? Randy Orton, him being in this match is just so... It's so perfect, Kevin, because... You look at Randy Orton, we've talked about the Randy Orton effect in countless Elitist Effect episodes, or Elite Heat, apologies. We've talked about this countless times. When Randy Orton's in a WWE title match or a world title match, the man wins it because you've got to boost the resume somehow. So this is the perfect match for Randy Orton to get the win. I don't think it's going to happen, but it more than well could, couldn't it? Yeah, a lot, a lot of people are saying, oh, I, Randy Orton's going to win and then challenge Edge, or Edge is going to challenge Randy Orton at WrestleMania. And then Makes Edge- too much sense. Makes so much sense. It does. It makes sense. It's a it's a WWE thing that you can see happening. Randy Orton gets his fifteenth title reign. He's one away from tying the immortal Ric Flair and John Cena, and then that's bad enough. Don't even. Oh God, don't even get me started on that. And then you have uh, you have Edge come back, take the title from him. So Randy Orton has like a a twenty five day title reign. Just so WWE Literally. could be like you know when uh when JBL is is call is calling the Hall of Fame ceremony when he's when he's introducing Randy Orton he can say he's the greatest of all time fifteen time WWE champion because, uh, he's a fifteen time WWE champion Michael oh he's the greatest of all time Michael you build a WWE superstar from the ground up looks like Randy Orton Michael oh he's the greatest in history Michael. Like, you know, that's what, that's what JBL's going to do when he goes in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah, Randy Orton, and, and, and J- JBL, like JBL's going to be up there. He's going to be like, oh, I, I was in the ring with Stone Cold, but Randy Orton's better than a maggle. So it's ridiculous, bro. Ridiculous. <laughs> like, Randy Orton, he's in this match. WrestleMania is, what, six weeks away? Something like that. Orton wins this match, has a 42-day title reign, drops it to Edge. That way, the WWE title match can be heel versus face. Because that's the one thing I want to say. 
people were saying, oh, it needs to be McIntyre versus Edge for the WWE title. They're both faces. Like, this is WWE. They, it needs to be very black and white for them nowadays. Heel face. They're both faces. So, in that regard, Randy Orton could easily, easily win this chamber match and face Edge. It's a 42-day reign for Orton or 49, whatever. It's a short reign. Orton gets number 15. Faces Edge. Edge wins the title off a heel. It just makes more sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean, quite frankly, I don't think Edge needs to win the championship. It is a nice story. Edge comes back, wins the title that he never technically lost. Great story. Paints itself. But I don't think he needs to. He's Edge. He's a cool... Oh, he's a cool old yeah. He's a cool old time. Uh, Jesus, he's a cool old timer. One of the greats. He doesn't need the championship. Quite frankly, like that's it. He doesn't point blank. He doesn't need it. But I could. You could I mean, it could happen. And then you don't want to do him with Drew McIntyre because like McIntyre is gonna get booed. This is the first time that we're having fans in front of a crowd in almost a year or in a year at WrestleMania, and McIntyre is gonna get booed out the building if they put him in there with Edge. Oh yeah, no, no, no second guessing that. And also, one other situation that I've seen some people online like beg for: AJ Styles could potentially win the Chamber match, become WWE champion, and we get Styles versus Edge at WrestleMania. I just want to say, as much of a dream match as that is for people, not yet. Okay, be patient. That's that that's that's coming down the line. Okay, just breathe, calm down. We're not getting that just now. Okay, settle down. We do uh, need to get that at some point, though. I need Edge oh, we versus will. AJ we will. Styles. Don't worry. We will. Don't worry. I need it. Yeah. I need Edge versus AJ Styles. I need Edge versus Seth Rollins. I need those two matches. I need it. I need it now, Kevin. I need this match. I was like, okay, good to know. <laughs> good to know. Oh God. And then also, like, I hate that. You say that on Twitter all the time. I need this match. Oh, dear WWE, give me what I want. Like, stop saying something titled, please. But nonetheless. Now we're going to move on to our next section. This one is going to be a blast. We're calling this one Suffering in a Pod, the worst of the Elimination Chamber. So mm-hmm. if you're in the chat right now, spam the Ws, Suffering in a Pod. This is going to be jokes. Kevin, I'll show. I'll, I'll, I'll pass this over to you. Ask the first question for us. All right, so I, I'm coming in hot. I'll ask you, has the WWE pimped out the Elimination Chamber concept enough? Hell yeah. Yes, they have, Kevin. The, the, this, this concept... When Bischoff brought Lynn in 2002, it was like, oh my god, this is Eric Bischoff's demonic creation from hell. This is Bischoff walking around the chamber with a, like a steel pipe, smashing the salt, you know, steel, sounding all demented. This is a great creation. Six guys step inside, 35,000 tons of steel, whatever they say. And it's like this great thing. And then year after year after year, we see one, two chamber matches just over and over. We've seen seven-man chambers intercontinental title chambers women's tag team title chambers we've seen you know men's tag team title elimination chamber matches we've seen random number one contenders matches with guys who just shouldn't be in them like the match has been watered down watered down now we're in 2021 the match has been around for nearly 19 years we've seen what 40 of these things gone on 50 like we've seen this match to death kevin we really have like what are your thoughts yeah we've seen it to death it's like it was so cool back in the day. Like, I remember the 2006 Chamber. You know, you have... It's like, who's going to come in? Is it going to be Shawn Michaels? Is it going to be Kurt Angle? Are Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels going to kill each other again? John Cena and Carlito? Like, what's going to happen? Like, when the when the light flashes on that pod, who's going to come out? It was so cool. And then, with the PG era, it just became like... I believe this was the first gimmick pay-per-view to be created. I could be wrong on that. But I'm pretty sure this was the first gimmick match that had a pay-per-view named after it. Um, it, it one of the first, no, actually, no, I think they, they did Hell in a Cell was the first one. 
and then it was Tail Save and this, I think. Okay. Really? Okay. Well, it was yeah. one of the, one of the originals. Yeah. One of the originals. Yeah. Yeah. And it used to be No Way Out. What a badass name. No Way Out. The Elimination Chamber makes sense. You there's no way out. You have to win to get out of the chamber. It makes sense. But yep. this match we've seen like you said a ton of Elimination Chamber matches. It's just it's the same spots. Somebody goes through the chamber door. They've broken through the glass. Like when Goldberg speared Chris Jericho through the glass, that was amazing. But then, like, in 2012 or whatever it was, you had Sheamus, I think, bro kicked the, the big show with Kofi Kingston or somebody through a pod. Yep. And it just looks so fake. Like, the, the bro kick's one of the, the one of the faker-looking moves on top of that. You're supposed to believe... Like, I'm supposed to believe that somebody's going to get kicked in the face and they're going to fly three feet through a chain... Through a gla- through glass? Like, that's not going to happen. It's... A, what? Like, what? You know, so... The Elimination Chamber, it's just... To me... And then on top of that, the matches suck for the most part. The in-ring work. There's not a lot you can do inside of an Elimination Chamber. They hurt from what wrestlers have told in in, um, in shoot interviews. The match... The, 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 the construction of the structure actually hurts. And then, like... The match, like I said, the match quality. What can you do? It's two guys stalling. They're waiting for the third guy to come in. And then I think it's like a three or four minute separation between that. You're waiting for the fourth guy to come in. And then you're waiting for the fifth guy. And then like by the time the fifth guy comes in, somebody might be eliminated by then. So the move, the match never really gains momentum. Because there's a lot of stalling and just like rest holds. And like what we saw last year with Shayna Baszler running around just waiting for somebody to come oh, in. That yeah. was awful. Yeah, yeah. Like... There's so much, I mean, you mentioned there, like, it's hard to get momentum going when, as you say, it's one-on-one for four or five minutes, and then it becomes a triple threat match for four or five minutes, and now it's a fatal four-way, and it's like it's hard to follow. Like, being a wrestler in this match wouldn't be, like, easy to do, and then it's like, it's there's five guys involved. Oh, now, now all six guys are in the chamber, and, you know, it's complete chaos because you don't have room to move. Like, you've got the ring, and you've got, like, little segments of space between the pods, where the four is, well, nowadays the four is like pattern, but it used to be just solid steel, and you've got a chain around you. Like, it's an awkward structure to navigate, Kevin. It really is. Yeah, exactly. And the padding, too. The padding pimped it out. Just, what? Like, I don't know. But you need it blood. It looks so weird. Yeah, like, you know, the, the blood, and then the fact that there's the padding. Like, it makes the chamber look so, like, it used to look, you know, really kind of in those, just the steel. It was like, oh, God, I, you'd hate to, like, land on that. Now it's like, oh, there's padding there. So, yeah. Yeah, you, you care less, almost. Yeah, exactly. And and I, it was created as, like, a WWE creation, something they can trademark, something that people can't take away from them. I get it. It's part of the building the brand. But, yeah. I want to yeah. talk about that 2020 Elimination Chamber match. Yeah, you Kevin, talk- this, this, is, this one's all you. This one's all you. The, just quick, the 2020 Chamber match, Shayna Baszler, wipe before their run. I'll throw this to you. Give us a rant, Kevin. Yes. Oh, this thing is yes, I'm going to look at the card. I'm going to pull up the card real quick. Or the mat, the uh, participants in the match. I'm gonna pull it up real quick. So this was like one of the this was like the early days of my channel. Like this was the first pay per view that I reviewed on my channel when I started last year, and yeah. I was just like going into it. Everybody's telling me, "Oh, Shayna Baszler is great," and I'm like, "Bro, I watched Shayna Baszler in NXT. I wasn't blown away. Whatever, but whatever." She came out to Raw. She bit Becky Lynch. She was a vampire. Okay, whatever. I'm still people are still saying, "Oh, she's a badass. Watch, she's gonna kill it." In this Elimination Chamber match, Shayna Baszler is going to kill it. She's going to face <laughs> Becky Lynch. We're going to have an amazing match. Shayna Baszler versus Becky Lynch. And I was like, all right, I'll give her a chance. Like, I I just, I never liked her. One day I'm going to do a rant about her. I never liked her 
from the first time I saw her in NXT. I remember vividly this one promo in NXT where she was she was bragging about how Kyrie Sane and Asuka went up to the main roster. Meanwhile, she's in NXT making less money than them combined. I'm like, yeah, okay, this is like, what kind of character is that? You're bragging about making less money. Get the get out of here. All right, whatever. So now you have Shayna Baszler. She defeated Natalia, Liv Morgan, Asuka, Ruby Riot, and Sarah Logan. You heard that right. Natalia, Liv Morgan, Asuka, Ruby Riot, and Sarah Logan. So you have Asuka, one of the best women wrestlers in the world. Okay. Great competitor. The rest of this the rest of the, the, the participants in this match, Natalia, who cares about Natalia in twenty twenty? Liv Morgan, she's green. She don't even know what the hell she's doing. The the highlight of this was like a Liv Morgan gif of, of her butt. Like that was like the highlight of, of her appearance that people it's just yeah like literally that's all that we got from it was was her but okay ruby riot who cares about ruby riot sarah logan who cares about sarah logan it this match was like it was Shayna baszler pacing around the chamber because she eliminated all the jobbers and she was waiting for asuka to be unleashed i believe if i if my memory serves me right yeah you're correct you're correct she was waiting for asuka and natalia right to be unleashed like because she already eliminated all the scrubs or she was waiting for Liv morgan and asuka so she's just pacing around and the crowd is just like people are just booing like this is the main event of a show this show is actually good the chamber pay-per-view itself was actually pretty good we had daniel bryan versus drew gulak street profits versus seth rollins and murphy alistair black versus aj we had a lot of good stuff on there this was the main event you had no WWE Championship match. You had no Universal Championship match. This is the main event. A number one contenders match to face Becky Lynch. So people are like, what the fuck? Why is this the main event? She's pacing around the ring. Nothing is happening. She's. It felt like endless. Like it was never ending. Go back and watch this. It had to be at least five minutes of her just pacing around, waiting for somebody to come out of the chamber. And I'm like, bro... Like, Vince had to be having a freaking fit. I know Vince, as he was watching this, was like, damn it, get somebody out of the chamber. Get him out of there. Why is she, what is she doing? Like, I, I know he was freaking out. Like, he probably booked it, and then he was watching it. it was just having a freaking heart attack. It, it came off so bad on TV. And I remember on my review, I was like, I'm done with Shayna Baszler. I don't care. I, that was my last chance. I don't ever want to see this girl get any, like... And, and the rumors came out that Vince was done with her, too, because her performance was terrible. And it's not all her fault. It was books. It was horrible booking. And then the rumors came out that Vince was done with Shayna Baszler. And then she jobbed out to Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. And could give me a break with this. Like this is you're talking about pimping out of a, of a chamber match. WWE now is overqualifying. They're overdoing it for la- this year for what they did last year. The two chamber matches was a SmackDown Tag Team Champion, The Miz and Morrison against like a bunch of jobbers in the New Day. And then you had Shayna Baszler and a bunch of jobbers and Asuka. Those were your two chamber matches. Are you freaking kidding me, bro? Are you kidding me? No wonder why nobody cares about the Elimination Chamber match. Nothing happens. There's no stakes. What you have the stakes is, is to get the right to challenge Becky Lynch. There's no women's division. There's no women's division. Why? Who Am I supposed to believe that Sarah Logan is going to main event WrestleMania? Am I supposed to believe that Ruby Riot is going to main event WrestleMania against Becky Lynch? Liv Morgan? Am I supposed to believe that? Like, give me a break, bro. There's no stakes. Why am I going to care about this match? Zero stakes. Ah. God. <laughs> I'm done. That's it. I'm done. Uh, um, there's, I don't know much more to add. I mean, the, uh, you covered it perfectly. The match was just dead. Why, like, why did Shayna Baszler, why wasn't she given a title match? There's nobody else in the freaking division. She should have been given a title match. It's, it's the same thing with, like, I mean, we talked about the 2019 Rumble in the Super Show for the Rumble. It's like, if the match is so obvious and so predictable, don't have the match. Like, it, 
Uh, it's just this thing. I called it the worst elimination chamber match ever. It, it has to be up there. Not even close. Like, we're talking about the worst chamber matches ever. 2020s with Shayna Baszler. That has to be up there. There's obviously, well, I mean, I'm going to talk about this one now. The 2012 SmackDown World Heavyweight Championship Elimination Chamber match. <sighs> Kevin, can you please get the card up from the Elimination Chamber 2012 just so we can get some, you know, some perspective in a moment? I just want to talk about this real quick. The 2012 Elimination Chamber match, the SmackDown World Heavyweight Championship one. This thing, look, in 2012, the World Heavyweight title was hardly setting the world on fire. This thing, it had been through the ringer. Jack Swagger had held it and won the worst title reigns ever in 2010. Uh, 2011, it was good with Christian and Orton. Okay, it was fine. Hall of Pain, Mark Henry held it. Big Show held it for 45 seconds. Daniel Bryan becomes champion. And you get this chamber match. We have Daniel Bryan defending it against Cody Rhodes, um, the great Carly. We have Big Slow. We've got Wade Barrett. And we've got Rocky Balboa Santino Morella. Now, you might be listening to this thinking, what do you mean Rocky Balboa Santino? What? What? Well, in case you don't know, what they did, we they were in Philadelphia for this, I believe. So we had Santino Morella throughout the show do three or two or three different Rocky Balboa training montages. So we got to see, you know, Santino Balboa with, uh, you know, a gray hoodie on in some, like, you know, some butchery punching a piece of meat. And we saw <laughs> Santino rushing up the stairs trying to be Rocky Balboa. And then later in the night in this chamber match, we had Santino Morella, the same guy who won the WrestleMania 25 Women's Battle Royal as Santino. This guy, this guy comes within about two milliseconds of being the world heavyweight champion. Okay, if that doesn't show you how dead that championship was in 2012, if that doesn't show you how little WWE cared about Daniel Bryan's title reign or just the whole SmackDown picture in general, if that doesn't show you how little they care, I don't know what does. Because SmackDown at that stage was awful. Santino, aka Santino, aka Mr. Cobra, that guy coming that close to winning the world title, the whole thing was just an absolute just debacle. It, it, Kevin, it was awful. It, it it's nearly as bad as 2020 with Shayna Baszler. Not as bad, but it's got to be damn close, like, surely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, just you, awful. You, I mean, you, that you, show as well. You, you listen, I'll, 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 quickly, I'll quickly say, that show as well, one other thing I want to mention, this isn't the chain match itself, but Cena versus Kane main evented that pay-per-view. Because you know that CM Punk in the chamber main event the show? Do we need to see Embrace the Hate with Cena and Kane? main eventing the show oh that's right Cena. Cena main events every show do we need to see Cena like this was back in Brace the Hate when you had Zack Ryder in like a like a 14 piece neck brace because Kane kept pushing him off <laughs> off of things and Eve Torres was there crying every show like th this whole show the best thing about the 2012 chamber was a video <laughs> package of Cena and The Rock at Wrestlemania that's how bad this show was Kevin this was like the fourth pay-per-view I watched as a kid this was awful <laughs> Okay, I, I can't watch this thing back anymore. It was terrible. Yeah, I'm done. Okay. I just, I gotta say, you reminded me. Was it the payoff to the whole Zack Ryder thing where Eve Torres gave him a low blow at WrestleMania that year? That was the whole payoff, right? Uh, yeah, every pay-per-view to open 2012 was Eve Torres uh, kicking him in the nuts, Kane pushing him off of things. Like, it was awful. That's what, uh, that's what, that's what you get for getting over in Vince's company. That's what you get. Jesus. All right. <laughs> yeah. This dude was like a, one of the three highest merch sellers in 2010 and 2011 and 2012, and he got just buried. So. <laughs>
but I, what, what I want to say about the world heavyweight title match so quickly, and I'll, I'll get your input on this. The, look yeah. at the look at the roster, not even the roster, the participants in that match. That's up there with that women's match that I just yelled about for ten minutes. You have <laughs> Santino Morella, Wade Barrett, <laughs> Cody Rhodes, the great Kali. And then you have the Big Show and Daniel Bryan. You got two two certified legends. But Cody Rhodes, this was not Cody Rhodes that he is now in 2021. This was 2012 Cody Rhodes. He, he was terrible. The great Kali. I don't even, like, why is the great? I don't even have to say anything. The great Kali. The Wade, Wade Barrett. This was after Cena buried him and after he was on main event for all of 2011. This is, yeah, this, this is after Wade Barrett had been the leader of the core and the new Nexus. And he just, he just finished a feud with Randy Orton on SmackDown, which had gone for three months. In which Randy Orton, the payoff to the, the whole feud and the storyline, was Randy Orton pushing Wade Barrett down a flight of stairs. That was where <laughs> Wade Barrett was at this point. Okay, like the, this chamber match, the participants, the Carl Lee, I mean, I'm gonna just gonna kind of restate what you said, but it's just, it's too true. Big show at this stage of his career. He, he was decent, like he really was. Daniel Bryan in the beginning of 2012, people will act as though Daniel Bryan at this stage was as good as the Planet's champion, just to try and make, you know, try and contradict me. But the fact of the matter is, Daniel Bryan at this point was a joke. He was the World Heavyweight Champion, but he couldn't do anything, you know, without help. So just the whole thing was a joke, Kevin. It really was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, dude, you're talking... Oh, okay. I'm done. Unless you want to add more. I Let's move on. Let's move on. Move on. Move. All right. So we're going to talk about... what is? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, yes. I remember now what we got to talk about. 2011. 2011 Chamber. Uh, I'm dreading talking about this. I really am. I'm dreading. I'm dreading talking about this. I'm not even going to lie. The 2011 Chamber. I'm going to read you the card. Alberto Del Rio versus Kofi Kingston. Actually, Daniel Bryan versus Ted DiBiase for the U.S. titles on the pre-show. In okay, a dark right, match. That was a yeah. dark match. Yeah. Then you had Edge win the Elimination Chamber in 2011. He was the Babyface Edge Hall of Famer, whatever. Great, great, great story. Great match. You had the core. Heath Slater and Justin Gabriel versus Santino Marella and Vladimir Kozlov with Tamina Snuka. <laughs> Tamina Snuka is in their corner. You have Ezekiel Jackson in the chorus corner. Then you have the my boy, the Maz. The Maz with Alex Riley in his corner versus Jerry Lawler. And then you have John Cena versus Punk versus Morrison versus King Sheamus. Not Sheamus, King Sheamus. <laughs> Randy John, Orton, <laughs> Randy Orton, and R Truth. John Cena had to win an Elimination Chamber match to get a title shot. So I, I read you that card. This is the pay per view era. P- WWE was charging people fifty dollars to watch Alberto Del Rio versus Kofi Kingston and Heath Slater and Justin Gabriel versus Santino Morella and Vladimir Kozlov. It, some of you, if you're young enough, you don't even know who Vladimir Kozlov is. That's what um, people are paying fifty dollars for the Miz versus a commentator. That's what. That's criminal. That's robbery. Whoever paid for this show, if anyone out there is listening to this, if you somehow find this podcast and you're listening to this and you paid fifty dollars for this show, DM me at Bonafide Heat on Twitter or Instagram. DM me. And I want to know why you paid $50 for this show. Because you already knew. Like, you're kidding yourself if you thought John Morrison was going to win that Elimination Chamber match and get a WWE Championship match at WrestleMania 27. If you thought John Morrison or R-Truth or King Sheamus was getting a title shot, you're playing yourself. You knew John Cena was going to win. 
you knew Edge was going to win his heavyweight title match because, like, they're going to have Wade Barrett win the heavyweight title from Edge, a Hall of Famer. They're going to have Kane win the heavyweight title from Edge. Yeah, yeah, right. You're kidding yourself. So that, you paid, again, you paid for the core, Heath Slater and Justin Gabriel versus Santino Morella and Vladimir Kozlov. That's what you paid $50 for. I want to hear from you. DM me. Find me. And then you have The Miz versus Jerry Lawler and Alex Riley. This is this is your WWE champion, The Miz. This is the guy that's holding the same belt. I've said this before, that The Rock, Stone Cold, Macho Man, whatever. They held this belt. He's going up against Jerry Lawler. Jerry Lawler is like, what, 11 months away from having a heart attack live on Raw? This is like a 60-year-old man. This is a guy that should not be in the ring going up against The Miz. They had like a 12-minute match. Can, can you provide any context? Do you remember anything that happened in this match? Did Like, what was, was there anything... I mean, I, I don't remember at this match. I just want to quickly chime in before I let you go on about this. Like, you're, you're talking about how Cena, it's so obvious he's going to win this match. You can just imagine 10 years ago when they were doing the build to this chamber pay-per-view, you can just imagine Wrestling Forum, the early days of wrestling Twitter, these people crying out to see John Morrison win the chamber match so we can see the Dirt Sheet main event WrestleMania 27 for the WWE title, Miz vs. Morrison. You just know... You just know these people were begging for that. Just nonetheless, yeah. continue going. And those same people are begging to see it in 2021. They want Miz to cash in on Drew McIntyre. Isn't it hilarious how history repeats itself? They want Miz to cash in on Drew McIntyre or Roman Reigns, and they want the Miz to grant John Morrison a title match, and they want to see that at WrestleMania. It, <laughs> it's unbelievable how the, the more things change, the more they say the same. So, yeah, you're playing yourself if you thought John Cena was going to win. Whatever. We had the Miz and Jerry Lawler have a 12-minute match. I can't, I'm racking my brain. I'm trying to remember anything about this, and I cannot. I just I'm drawing a blank. The only thing I remember about this is Babyface Edge. Just that was like he was the best by, by far in two thousand in early two thousand eleven. Babyface Edge was like the best thing that that they had going since. It's the same now. It's the same nowadays. Ten years later, is it not? Babyface Edge is the best thing they have going. I mean, outside of Reigns, but like it's like nothing's changed. Ten years later, it's like. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Like, wow. Isn't it crazy to think too that like Roman Reigns debuted like a few months, like uh, like a little, like a year and ten months after the show? It's kind of crazy. That's wild. I mean, just yeah, the Elimination Chamber 2011. Like this is one of many pay per views. Which, as you said before, how anyone could justify in the pay per view era paying uh, like paying money for this, like paying a cost above the network price for this, like anything above network cost for these type of shows is a joke. But to think that people were paying 50 bucks for this, for Jerry Lawler versus the Maz, I mean, at least, like, if we're talking about a world title match where the champion, you know, the world champion faces, like, a non-active talent, at least maybe, like, Roman Reigns versus Adam Pearce could at least be good because of, like, storytelling. This was just Miz beating up Jerry Lawler because Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler had beef for, like, six months. That's all this was. And for 12 minutes for the WWE Championship... What an absolute joke. Yeah, you had Michael Cole screaming, ah, kill, kick him, Miz. Kick his butt, Miz. Like that, that's probably all that happened on commentary. And you uh, probably had Matt Stryker out there, because Matt Stryker, I think, was the other commentator. <laughs> yeah, what an uh, error. Just, what an error. What a joke. What a joke. And then, I mean, we're talking about just old kind of chamber stuff. Like, we have down here, for me to rant about Sam Punk losing to The Rock at the 2013 Chamber... Honestly, I, I can't be bothered. I, the 2013 Chamber, not much to really say about this show. This one, like, CM Punk lost to The Rock. 
you know, it, we, we talked about this in the Royal Rumble Super Show with Punk and The Rock. I did a big rant on that one there. Punk losing The Rock in 2013. I've talked about that enough. That one's just dumb. I guess we'll move on now to just generally speaking, Elimination Chamber type things through the years. So we'll kick us off. 2009. Let's talk about 09 just real quick. We'll fly through these and then we'll get on to, you know, the best parts of the chamber. So yeah, over to you, Kevin. Yeah, so you had in, in 09, Edge... He, he went into the show in Elimination Chamber 09 as the WWE champion. And then he beat... Then he, you know, he lost the title. He lost the WWE title to Triple H in the, in the opening match. And then he comes back in the main event. And, and Kofi Kingston was supposed to be the sixth guy in the chamber match. And Edge beats up Kofi like as Kofi's making his entrance. And the referee's just like, oh yeah, you earned it. You beat up Kofi. You deserve, you, you deserve it now. Here, here's the spot. Edge gets the spot. He beat John Cena for the title. And then a month later, John Cena beats Edge for the title at WrestleMania 25. This is what this is what I mean when we're saying the Elimination Chamber has been pimped out. And there's been some tomfoolery and just nonsense. Like, what is that? Like, does that even make any sense, what I just said? Yeah, like, that, I mean, like, as a kid, you see that. And you see Edge, like, this is just logically speaking. You see Edge rush down, beat up a guy, take his spot, then win the title... And you use a bit of common sense and think, why doesn't everyone do that? What, if, if that's how it works, why doesn't anyone from catering rush out, beat up someone, and win the championship? Like, that kind of stuff, yeah, it was a cool, like, one-night storyline, but it destroys your suspension of disbelief. You think, well, if, if Edge can do that, why can't, I don't know, Darren Young from catering do that? Like, it just... It, it, just it makes the title meaningless, too, because Edge went into the pay-per-view as a WWE champion... He left the world champion, then he lost the world championship a month later. It just it makes the title so irrelevant. It really it really does. I mean, it was just one of the many things that led to the World Heavyweight Championship becoming just junk, really. That that's the best way of putting it. So I mean that was 09, 2010. This one, I mean, you can talk to us about twenty ten real quick. This show was I mean just Yeah, overall oh. this was pretty bad. Like I'm gonna talk about the WWE title chamber match because I thought the World Heavyweight title chamber match was good. But the WWE title chamber match was just more tomfoolery, like we saw in 09. Uh, the 2010, it's like, it's, it's again, the 2010 All-Stars. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Yeah, so, yeah, this match, we had Cena coming in as champion, okay? This was back when we finished Cena Orton for, no, like, No, no, Sheamus, Sheamus was yeah. champion going in. Oh, no, oh, oh, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I got it, I got it in front of me. So, here we have, we have Sheamus goes in as WWE champion. You have Sheamus versus Triple H. Versus Randy Orton, versus Kofi Kingston, versus John Cena, and and Ted DiBiase Jr. Which one of those is not like the other? Jesus, that, like you have like I'm I rewatched this like a week ago, and you have te, you have Ted DiBiase out there with these five guys that are going into the Hall of Fame first ballot, no doubt. And I'm like, why is Ted DiBiase Jr. in this match? So then you have like Cody Rhodes comes out with a pipe. He hands the pipe to Ted DiBiase. Ted DiBiase he pops Orton in the head and and has Orton eliminated. And Orton flips a gasket. He's like yelling at Ray, at Cody Rhodes, and that was the end of the legacy. That one of the greatest factions of all time, according to some people. That that's the end of that's the end of the legacy. Randy Orton screaming at Cody Rhodes from behind a chamber as Cody Rhodes is like cowering away. Whatever. <laughs> and then you have you know Sheamus is WWE champion. I don't even know how Sheamus became WWE champion early 2010. I, I don't even know. I'm not even gonna try to figure it out. 
and then like the whole story is the underdog Cena bullshit. Where oh, can Cena come back from the? Can he triumph? Can he defeat the, the great Triple H, the mighty Randy Orton? Like that's what we're being sold on commentary. John Cena triumphs. He's celebrating. Nobody cares because everybody's booing him in the audience because this was like the height of the the we hate Cena, um, the we hate Cena crowd whatever they're booing cena they're telling him to die and then vince mcmahon's music hits and the crowd chant cheers because they they cheer for vince's music and vince is like ah cena pal i know you had a tough match but now you gotta face the animal (laughs) haha the animal batista and then batista runs out and he just like he he's arrogantly smirking and he batista bombs cena and that's it and batista wins the wwe championship so the wwe championship changed hands twice in like five minutes it just it doesn't make any sense. Like, what is the point of having the WWE Chamber Elimination cha- the WWE Championship Elimination Chamber match if you're just gonna have Vince give Batista a match and give Batista the belt? And then and then and then Cena won it back a month later just to get another reign. Like, it just did he? Did he win? It? He won it at WrestleMania. Cena, Cena won it back. At Mania, they did Cena versus Batista, and Cena won. Wow. So Cena won the title back. That's literally what happened. So <laughs> Cena, like we talk about the Randy Orton theory, Cena has had. Cena's had his fair share of, of like, garbage title reigns. At least he's had some good ones, though. He's had, like, five or six really good ones. But they yeah. still did the same thing. They're propping up Cena's reigns to make it feel like it's more important. When you look at it overall, oh, Cena has had 16 title reigns. But right there, he's had... he's we In this, just like us talking right now, he's had four title reigns that have meant nothing. He had two title reigns end in the same night. as he One has ended in the same night. And then he won. He lost it to Edge. Won it back like two a month later. It's just meaningless stuff. Legit. Oh, it's just wow. I mean, that's that's what they do though. Like Orton, the Randy Orton effect, Cena, it's Charlotte Flair nowadays. Like you see how WWE try and really get these, you know, the, the people they want to have great resumes just by having them hot potato the title and ruin the importance of belts. Like it really is disappointing and also one one chamber match I, I think we need to talk about like this takes precedence above all the rest december to dismember 2006 kevin i want you to you know just set the scene for us here because i mean you were you know watching around this time if you could potentially pull the card up for this and read us the december to dismember card and then the chamber match and yes. we can go through this because this one i feel like we, we can forget the rest of the 2010s okay most of them are pretty dead kind of chamber shows and matches but December to December 2006, if you guys in chat watch this show or you've seen it, I mean, give us your honest opinions because honestly, this was awful, Kevin. I mean, yeah. what do you think? So this is another one where I'm going to read the card, but I'm going to give you a little backstory first. So WWE ECW, it was a train wreck. Everybody knows it's the worst. Like, WWE ECW was a fail. It was a PG version of ECW that was super cool, whatever. Everybody knows that. But WWE ECW gave me Kelly Kelly. He gave me a ten year a ten year old me Kelly Kelly and I was like Kelly Kelly changed my life I'll just say that so <laughs> so it, WWE ECW is has a has a place a very special place in my heart I don't know if you've ever seen these segments but what they used to have Kelly Kelly strip on live TV like she'd come out yeah I'm saying that I'm saying that it's, it's classic content Michael I love it Michael <laughs> oh yeah, oh, that, yeah. Th- those videos have millions of views on YouTube and like a hundred fifty thousand of them are from ten year old me so <laughs> yeah so um so i, I was like i was kind of hyped for this i was like oh ecw is gonna have his first pay-per-view and it's gonna be an all wwe ecw pay-per-view it, this was keep in mind kurt angle was supposed to be the face of wwe ecw but he was like doped up on pills one day and just quit so so kurt angle's now in tna he's not the face of wwe ecw i don't even know if, if did you even know that 
I, I did not. I did not feel just then. Yeah, they had two, the, the 2006 WWE draft. Kurt Angle got drafted to WWE ECW, and then he was like, fuck it, I quit. <laughs> so, so that, um, yeah. so you have, you have the chamber matches Bobby Lashley versus Big Show versus Test, rest in peace, Test, versus RVD versus Hardcore Holly versus a very young CM Punk. What, okay. like, that's so, a main I event. Mean, that's your main I event. I mean, God, I mean, comparing talent wise, it's a bit better than 2012. It's it's like good talent, but like, is that a, a Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Chris Jerry? Is, is that one of those chambers? Like, there's no any of them. Like, talent wise, is that a main event for a pay per view? I mean, for December to December 2006, I guess, but not the best. So yeah, lead us on, Kevin. Yes. So you have yeah, like you said, not very much talent. Keep in mind, Big Show is the ECW champion. <laughs> so um, Bruce Pritchard told a story on his podcast about this where he where paul Heyman wanted cm punk to make everybody in the match tap out by the anaconda vice like he was like fighting vince to, to do this oh no it's like oh, you no. have this young cm punk nobody knows who he is vince is like who the fuck is that guy you want him to beat the big you want him to make the big show and bobby lashley tap out no <laughs> and yeah. so so punk gets buried early in the match just it, it was just it just sucks you have, like if you really want to like torture yourself go back and watch it because it's so bad. This pay-per-view top to bottom is just terrible. This is another one. Like, how did people pay $50 for this freaking pay-per-view? You have Davari <laughs> versus Tommy Dreamer with the great Kali in Davari's corner. You have Ariel and Kevin Thorne versus Kelly Kelly and Mike Knox. Like, what, what is this? <laughs> the, the, the big main event is this, is this like, late, late Ruthless Aggression or a chamber match. Where you have just a random collection of talent. You have RVD, this all-time great. CM Punk, who wasn't an all-time great yet. And then just a bunch of randoms. Like, it's, the whole thing just didn't make any sense. Yeah. it's ECW, I mean, when they did the relaunch, like the WWECW, like that whole thing, you had the big show pulling a 2020 Charlotte Flair and rep, you know, being on all three brands. And Big Show was like the face of it. And it was just... Uh, it's just a mess. I mean, that's the best way of putting it. Like, ACW, when it was rebranded, CM Punk was like the guy who Heyman wanted to give the keys of the city to. And I mean, you hear it there. Having, Imagine that, having Punk make all those like five established stars tap out through the Anaconda Vice. Like, uh, imagine that now. It's the same thing as if they brought Alistair Black up to the main roster like two years ago. And the first thing they do with him is within two weeks of him coming up is having Alistair Black make... I don't know, Reigns, Rollins, Brian, Cena, and, like, Big E tap out. Like, it, the whole thing's ridiculous. Like, it's just... Uh, classic. Classic, Kevin. Classic. Yeah, classic WWE, yeah. pal. Yeah, and I, I guess now it's the perfect time. Now that we've covered that, we can safely move on to some more positives because after talking about December to December 2006, the 2012 SmackDown Chamber, 2020's one with Shayna Baszler... 2011 with Miz and Lawler, all this stuff. I'm talking about that. I think it's fine. We move on to some more positives, Kevin, because we're a positive podcast here at Elite Hate. Yes, yes. Positivity. Uh, Positivity is power, pal. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. So this one we're calling what could have been the good of the Elimination Chamber. So for this one, I guess we'll talk about the best Chamber matches in history as far as just not Chamber matches. So the actual pay-per-view itself. What are some of the best matches? I'll start us off with one. Cena and Owens from 2015. Well, that's worth a mention. Amazing. Amazing match. Just, that, that, yep. was, that was the first time they wrestled, right? That was where Owens beat Cena clean? 
Yes, yes, that was that one. Yeah, yeah, that was shocking. It was like, oh, this this guy, this fat NXT guy, is it just beat the face of the company? Like that was shocking. That that was at an Dude. era where Cena never lost clean, bro. You know. Yeah, it's like Cena's overcome Umaga. He's overcome every Rusev, rip, you know. Bray Wyatt. Yeah. Like he, he beat Psycho, whole world in his hands, Bray Wyatt. And I was like, no way, Kevin Owens is gonna beat him. <laughs> sure enough, Owens beat him clean. Just classic. I mean, yeah, and that that really set the tone for what we'd see for the next like, few years, really. And God knows, I mean, now look where ratings are. But nonetheless, nonetheless, Kevin Owens you know, versus Cena, really good match. As far as other ones, Shield Whites from 2014. This thing. I think it's the best match in the history of the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, like chamber match or not. I think this thing was just... If you, haven't seen this, if you haven't seen this match, go and watch it as soon as this, this episode of Lead Heat's over. If you just want to watch this again, go out and do it. I highly recommend it. This thing, two factions who, when you were watching the match, you, like, you could just feel this is the future of the company. Like the Six guys who were like, okay, these guys are all sick. And you know, it worked so well. Just What did you think of this match, Kevin? It's an all-time great match. When you're looking at some of the great matches from from the 2010s decade, this has to be like in the top six or seven. It it just it has to be. It was so good. It, it this was the time when Seth Rollins became a star too. Was the the Wyatt's versus Shield rivalry. This was when Rollins became the leader of the Shield. When he showed what he could do in the ring, he showed his performance ability. Like we already knew, Roman and Dean were made guys. We knew that already. This was Rollins coming out party. On top of that, it was just like it, it was like new, fresh talent that had people invested. It wasn't like the Miz and like Kofi Kingston where nobody cared. It was like new, fresh talent that people cheered and people got behind. Whether like the Wyatts or the Shield, it, I remember hot crowd after hot crowd. They they did a match on Raw with these guys. It was just really good stuff. The only critique yeah, I would like- say is like, why did they have it on WrestleMania? Oh, don't get me started, Kevin. Don't get me started. Uh, literally, like, you, you bought in the Shield at the end of 2012. You bought in the Wyatts mid-2013. You have them both go about their own business. Like, you know, th- there was no brand split at this time. So they're both going about their own business on the same show, but not interacting. And then in November, I believe it was on, on the UK tour, the European tour, they, like, had a face-off for the first time, and people just went nuts. And then that leads us into this. This thing was just... It was masterful. The fact that they didn't do this in front of 80,000 at WrestleMania 30, unforgivable, but... Nonetheless, that was a good one. As far as another one, speaking of kind of the White family, Luke Harper, Randy Orton, twenty seventeen. I think this one's worth a mention as well, Kevin. I'll be Best honest. Match. I'll be honest. I really don't remember this match. When you told me that you wanted to put this yeah. on the list, I thought you were messing with me. <laughs> you know, because I... no, no. This, this thing. This was when you had SmackDown actually with some momentum. Randy Orton was was he setting the world on fire? Well, I guess that's kind of a pun given what's happening nowadays. But no, was he, he actually was because he set he set Bray Wyatt's um. He set Sister Abigail, the whole compound, on fire. Yeah, he set, he set the Fiend's ball on fire. But, um, no, nah, Randy Orton, he, he was doing some good work around this time. This is when Bray Wyatt was involved, and they did the WWE title. And, yeah, what well, they did at WrestleMania with the maggots being projected on the ring, that sucked. But, I mean, this right here, Orton and Harper, one of the most underrated matches of the 2010s, in my opinion. This thing it hardly gets talked about, but it was damn good. If you're giving, like, a star rating, probably, like, it's like a four-star match. It's, like, a really good you know, singles match on pay-per-view. went for like 17 minutes. Great stuff all around. So I thought I'd throw it in there. Yeah. I just want to say, I thought you were trolling me because it was Randy Orton. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> no, no. You know, but yeah, um, I've never seen it. I'll have to go back and check it out. Yep. And then, I mean, last one, I mean, you mentioned this match a bit earlier. Brian and Gulak from 2020. Like, what do you think of that one? 
No, it was spectacular. I thought it was going to be a star-making performance. Like, similar to what happened with Kevin Owens, where John Cena made Kevin Owens a star. I thought Daniel Bryan was going to make Drew Gulak into a star. And it just didn't work out for whatever reason. Pandemic. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I hated watching that match. I really did because I was watching it live. And I believe they did three different, like, next spots in this match. So they do, like, I believe, you know, Gulak doing, like, a release German to Bryan. And he lands smack bang on his neck. I'm like watching that. I, I guess you know, it's me getting invested in the match almost. But I'm watching that, thinking that can't be good for his health, considering he's had like two you know, serious neck injuries. Like stuff like that is just making me go. I don't, I don't like that, but maybe that's just me. I, don't no, know. I get that. I get that point of view. I, I just thought it was like it was somebody that was like Daniel Bryan could could have a different kind of match with, because somebody that could like match him from a technical standpoint. And I just I enjoyed what they were doing. Yeah, it was kind of risky, but that's Daniel Bryan. That's always been Daniel Bryan's style. He's always been reckless. There's a reason why he's had so many, you know, so many head injuries. Yeah, I mean that that's totally fair enough. So that being said, I think we'll just kind of fly through some other stuff. Then we'll close the Elimination Chamber Super Show. So I'll ask you, what's your favorite Elimination Chamber match? So just like the structure itself, what's your favorite Chamber match of all time? Uh, I'd have to say SummerSlam '03. Just. So you talk about star power, man. I mean, you had Triple H, Goldberg, Jericho. Um, I think young Randy Orton was in that match. You talk, I mean, star power galore, man. Well, yeah, sorry, sorry Kyle, if you compare that to Sarah Logan, Ruby Riot, Natalia, Liv Morgan, Shayna Baszler, and Asuka, it's just like, it shows you how far the chamber's fallen. The chamber went from that, Triple H, you know, Goldberg, young Orton, etc., etc., like, as you're going to talk about, to that yeah. like that goes to show you how far the chain has fallen which it's sad to see but it is. you know wwe it is what it is i guess it is it's sad like uh, i want i just want to say like i think from the, the elimination chamber matches that took place from 2002 to 2006 december to dismember aside but new year's evolution 06 those are like the god tier elimination chamber matches and that was when it was cool when you had star power and it had this mystique and you had goldberg killing jericho you had Triple H winning the title. You had Edge cashing in on Cena after Cena was a bloody mess who just went through this war of an elimination chamber, barely survived. You had like a lot of awesome, good storytelling being told. And then now it's just so watered down. But yeah, that era was just awesome. Like the first one, Survivor Series 02, where Shawn Michaels wins the world title. Probably the just best magic, elimination magic. chamber. That was that was something special. That like I I've watched that match back too many times. Like yeah. You go back and watch Survive Series 02, and especially that main event. And, like, I remember I watched that once. I made the video, like, like moments after called I Miss Old Wrestling. Because, like, you're watching how great that was and how well they put that together. And it just makes you go, what's happened, man? Like, everything's changed so much, and most of it's not for the better. It's just sucks to see. But, yeah, the 02 was just goaded. You mentioned some great ones there. Goldberg killing Jericho. That was jokes. Like, I just wanted to say... Spearing him through the pod and just destroying him in 03. One of the best chamber moments ever. Just bar none. Hands down. I think it has to be. I think that has to be. Like, that's one of the, that's one of the things that you'll always see on a WWE highlight tape. The, you know, that was one of the few big matches in 03 that didn't feature Chris Benoit. So they can actually, like, show it. And, yeah, it just Goldberg killed him. And you had Young Orton. Well, also, also, speaking of that, like, what are some other, like, chamber moments you can think of? Like, obviously, Goldberg nearly murdering Jericho in 03. And we talked about some of, like, WWE's PG-era kind of chamber spots. Like, I mean, the ones I remember, you mentioned Sheamus, bro- like, bro-kicking the pod and whatnot. Like, ones I remember are kind of cringe, like when Big Show 
hit like the KO punch on the pod and he broke the door. Oh, I remember and, that. And like stuff like that. And like Sasha Banks hitting like a moonsault or something. And like, I remember kind of like all right stuff, but hardly stuff that's really like, oh my God. So that being said, like, what do you think? What are some of the great changes? I remember like, I think, I think Sean and Taker had a stare down in the 2010 chamber. I believe. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that was and Jericho and Michael, um, Jericho and Taker were left in the, the World Heavyweight title one. And then Michaels was doing that whole thing of, oh, I need to face you at WrestleMania. So Michaels sprang out of like the floor. He like opened up the chamber and then just jumped up, switching music to take off. And then, then that was that. Yeah, yeah. awesome moment. Yeah. Um, Great stuff. Yeah, um, I, I remember like definitely Edge cashing out on Cena, Cena being a bloody mess. That's one of the most iconic images in wrestling history of Cena with that, that crimson mask, just looking defeated. Edge coming out with that that disorientated face. Like, this is when everybody hated Edge. Like, Edge had real heat. Barry Corbin should study Edge. Should ask Edge, hey, what did you do to get actual heel heat, bro? So nobody changed the channel when I come on TV. But, you know, maybe he can learn a thing or two from Edge while he's there. I don't know. But it was just awesome. But, yeah, and it's like, it's amazing with that how much blood can add to the spectacle of the match and the spectacle of the wrestling. Like, in that instance, it made it that much cooler. Like, even if they did that nowadays, it would be, like, half as cool because there's not the blood involved. Just, just want to put that in there. Yeah, yeah facts, hundred percent. Like I agree. Yeah. And then you have, yeah. uh, from what from the I think it was the 05 Rumble where Triple H and Batista or Triple H and Orton had a stare down. I can't remember. There's not a lot of memorable moments. That's kind of like what I'm getting at here. It's just not a lot, not a lot of memorable moments. Yeah. I remember when Bray Wyatt beat Cena in 2017. I remember that vividly. That was one of the few Chamber pay per views that I watched live. Like Chamber, for me, the Chamber pay per view was always just like when uh, I catch it if I catch it. Like if I have time. It was never one that I sat down and watched. Like twenty twenty was, I think, the first chamber that I, the chamber pay per view that I ever watched from start to finish as it was happening. That was a bad decision. That was a bad decision, especially in the main event. Yeah, facts. Yeah, I mean, it's only for the channel. Like, if it wasn't for the channel, I wouldn't have done it. And it's yeah, I, I don't like. I, I remember when Chamber was just it was a part of Survivor Series. It was a part of SummerSlam. It wasn't like its own pay per view. It just it was so much cooler back then, man. Yeah, and. I mean, pretty much. And also, one thing, it would be remiss of us to go the whole video without mentioning the 2019 Chamber match for the WWE title. Samoa Joe, I believe it was, what, Orton, Brian, St- Hardy, Kingston, something like that. That match just, that deserves a mention because all around, I dare say that's the best Chamber match of the past 15 years. I, th- I mean, that match is just really damn good all around the storytelling of Kofi the wrestlers involved it, it was worked really well so yeah I think it'd be remiss of us not to mention that just quickly Kevin thoughts on that match great great match one of the best yeah with, with Kofi Kingston with Vin, the whole story where Vince was like trying to stack the deck against him Kofi mania all that what it, what it led to what what came what was birthed from that from Kofi getting over with the crowd and people just getting behind him that was supposed to be Mustafa Ali's moment whatever but Kofi Kingston did this and he had that great, unbelievable babyface performance. Daniel Bryan barely escaped with the title. It was good stuff. Absolutely. And, oh, hold on. Hold on. Uh, look, I just found something on my Twitter timeline. On Monday Night Raw, we're going to see... <laughs> we're going to see a match, a gauntlet match, to decide who's the sixth entry into the Raw Elimination Chamber. So that's going to be a good way to waste an hour of Raw. Jesus Christ. Wow, that's exciting. That's how, great. How Oh, that's going to be great. I can't wait to watch The Miz and Jeff Hardy having a 15-minute long match with no stakes or consequences. That's going to be just, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh wow. 
<laughs> Can't wait for that, yeah. pal. You got me excited to watch Raw now. I'm going to watch the whole three hours of Raw and not cry. Oh, it's so lazy. The gauntlet matches, it's just the laziest way. We're going to throw all the wrestlers from the chamber into the ring on Monday night just so we can get through an hour and 15 minutes of our show. <laughs> yeah, you know like, what's going to happen, right? This is I can tell you exactly right now what's going to happen. The Miz, they're going to have the Miz do like a 50-minute performance where he's going to win two matches and he's going to go like 20 minutes against whoever, McIntyre Jeff or something. Hardy and Jeff Hardy, yeah. Know. And, and wrestling Twitter is going to be like, oh, put the title on the Miz. He had a great gauntlet match, just like with Kofi. Oh, Miz Mania. Miz Mania 2021. Miz Mania. Well, you can yeah. see this just, now. Just like what happened with, um, damn, who, who, did, who did the gauntlet Nakamura. match? Nakamura. Nakamura. And then Rollins yeah. back in 2016 when Rollins had that that great gauntlet match is going to be the same thing oh we need the miz to be champion now he's a great performer and i'm going to be getting tags and all these tweets see miz can wrestle miz can wrestle like i'm going to be oh i, I can see it oh miz is such a safe worker he's such a good worker he deserves an opportunity oh there'll be a picture of miz with the WWE title and someone will say i need this now and you'll have pictures of people being like most deserving wrestler of 2021 let me Miz holding the title. Like, you can picture this now, can't you, Kevin? Yes, yes, because Miz is, like, the only quote-unquote guy that can go out of the people that are in the match. So who else is not going to have Sheamus out there for 50 minutes? You can't have 45-year-old Jeff Hardy out there for 50 minutes. So by default, you're gonna, you're gonna, it might be the Miz. You're going to have the champion, Drew McIntyre, out there for 50 minutes. There's no point in doing that, so it probably will be the Miz. And also, I, I can't wait for that to inevitably happen. And you're literally scrolling through your timeline just getting t like tagged and all this, and you've got your bottle of Bacardi there just <laughs> drinking away your sorrows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, I don't drink on Mondays. I I'll be sober for that one. Right. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Sure you will, Kevin. Sure you will. I'm sure if, I'm sure if the Miz has a an hour-long gauntlet match performance, you you get the bottle out, I'm sure. Oh, uh, here we go. This is what's going to happen. I'm looking at the card now. They're going to do Miz and AJ. They're going to kick it off. Miz is going to have this 20-minute match with AJ. Miz is somehow going to win. And then he's going to go with Jeff Hardy, have another 15-minute match, and everybody's going to be freaking out about how the Miz is the best wrestler in the world. Give me a break. Good <laughs> God almighty. But yeah, back to the chamber. So I, I want to touch on, before we get out of here, talking about good things about the Elimination Chamber. Um, yeah. I want to talk about the 2017 Chamber match just briefly. I thought it was a really... Yeah, no. like I think in the modern era, it's up there with 2019. It was just one of the rare... It was a rare W, if you will, for the Elimination Chamber. Yep, yeah, uh, absolutely. Bray, like, it was like, oh, Bray Wyatt's finally... He finally is going to be pushed. It was such a cool moment, because when Bray Wyatt beat Cena, like, I thought for sure we were going to get Cena AJ at WrestleMania 33. And when Bray Wyatt beat Cena for the belt, it was just a really good swerve, and it was a great story. Yeah, and like it made for a great moment, and then like this is the thing with WWE, like it was such a cool moment, and then you look what happened six weeks later, and you've got maggots being projected onto the <laughs> ring as Randy Orton wins the title, and one like the most boring WWE title matches ever at WrestleMania. Like you just you see how great the chamber was, Wyatt wins, this big swerve, oh my god, amazing, and then you see what leads to, and you're like, oh damn it, could have been so much better. Like damn it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but for what it was, that chamber match and moment was good. You had AJ Prime, AJ in there, Cena. Dean Ambrose, all these great guys that could have good matches. You had the Miz and Baron Corbin, whatever. Like that's how good this match was. That I'm praising it, and the Miz and Baron Corbin were both in it, so that that should tell you something. Yeah, I mean, you you, you make an argument that I mean that that match, all of the wrestlers involved were in their prime in that match, like in that time period. Well, yeah. you can make an argument. Yeah, I mean, I that mean, was, that was prime Miz. That was prime Miz, definitely. 
Definitely, and Corbin, I mean, he's never really had a prime. I mean, Styles, that kind of run on SmackDown, it's hard to argue that he's had a better kind of run. I mean, Yeah, he's, come, he's coming off the trilogy yeah. with Cena. Like, that was, yeah, that was peak Styles, yeah. Yeah, that was peak, peak Cena as well, I'd say. That was peak when... Cena, yeah. it, that was when there was a bunch of like the the indie NXT guys on the main roster by that point. So Cena looked that much better than everyone else because he actually cut promos, had a character. When you got you know when you'd see a, a you know, like a transcript of a promo, you could tell that's a Cena promo, and you can't really do it with anyone else. Like Cena, just goaded. But nonetheless, I think. But that being said, we're about ready to get out of here, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, man. We've been talking like an hour and a half now. So if you guys are still here at this point, thank you so much for watching really means a lot to us for sticking through in the premiere or if you're watching this after the premiere and you made it this far thank you really really appreciate yeah. it if you haven't made it this far like the video what are you doing yeah legit i mean if, if you've been sitting here for like an hour and haven't liked the like the video i mean come on come on now come on so yeah that being said next week we've got a fun show planned if you like the WWE wrestlers if it was a high school thing if you like that which a lot of you did if you like that you're gonna love what we're doing next week so yeah, I'll leave it at that. Kevin, it's been a fun one. Elite Heat Episode 8, The Chamber Super Show. Peace.